This is the Intentional Disruption Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Demo. Today I have a user or listener requested topic. In full disclosure, when I say it's a listener requested uh, topic, it's actually from my fiance, Lauren, who today is going for her first uh, dress fitting ahead of our upcoming uh, wedding. What she wanted me to cover was a little bit interesting. I just asked her randomly uh, downstairs, what, what should I talk about on the podcast today? And that's what came to mind. And it was more getting married for the second time, this time to the right person, which puts me into a little bit of an interesting you know, headspace, um, just trying to work through a couple different things. See, just a little while ago when we were having dinner, she mentioned that, don't know a good way to put it, but like, why do you think people get divorced? I had two pretty ready answers. The first one is people not knowing themselves and being as self-aware. And the second one was that people give up too easily or only one person puts in the work when the situation for all intents and purposes could be salvaged with a little bit of communication. So today I'm going to go through a little bit of a dark part of this process because um, one 15 or so minute episode just isn't long enough and I respect your time enough where I'm not going to try to keep you for half an hour. So I'll end up breaking this up and talking about it a couple um, different times. But the question becomes, well, Mike, what happened with the first one? Pretty obvious conclusion to be made by me getting married for the second time that I was, in fact, married for the first time. And was getting married for all the right reasons to a person that I haven't had an immense amount of love for. And it ended up not working out. And I think it was for a couple of reasons. Um, Some definitely from my side. And then some from my ex's side. On my side of the ledger, things that I'll own is I wasn't self-aware enough to see that I needed to 
stand up for myself and be assertive in the things that edified me and made me feel not less than, you know, not saying that I needed to be more than, but like somewhere between less than and more than whatever that happy medium is that that's all I really wanted in life needed. I'm not a very needy person by nature. Uh, I do have distinct abandonment issues from when I was a kid that at that point I hadn't even scraped the surface on. Quick shout out to my coach, Ryan Nidell, for helping me with some of that. But when you've got that as a precondition and wanting to keep something working and to serve in a relationship, it, it becomes hard. And there's some, honestly, some gender role parts that come into it. Uh, at the onset of the marriage, I was making probably $90,000 a year if you annualized it over at a Subaru dealership. Um, my ex was working for a Fortune 500 company. And we had, like, I'd wanted to obviously have kids. I was in my late 20s or just about 30 at that point. And I was told, you know, hey, we're not going to have kids until you have a degree. Okay. It's an interesting uh, play, but okay. And I did that. I went back to UConn Stanford, which... I despise because I made some connections. I didn't really learn very much, but it's that piece of paper that I needed to have. Um, I did between 18 and 24 credits a semester plus a 20-hour 20, 20 internship in the Entrepreneurship Institute uh, down at UConn Stanford. I finished up, I think it was with a 3.6. I haven't looked at diploma or any of that stuff since I left. But I committed myself wholly to doing that in the meantime, we'd bought a house, which in Connecticut means you spend about half a million dollars, which when there's only one income source, makes money tight. I have a very distinct scarcity mindset. It's something that, you know, especially then, like I worried about, like, I would do all the maintenance to the house myself. I really just try to do whatever I could since I wasn't working to show my worth in the relationship given, you know, the roles had been reversed. You know, I do cooking. I do some cleaning. It's a flaw of mine, cleanliness. And I would maintain the cars. I'd maintain the yard, the garden, whatever it was, just to try to do whatever I could. My ex, with the company that she was working with, would be at work at 7 in the morning. Sometimes she'd be home 3 in the morning, um, five days a week. Uh, she'd end up having to work on the weekends. Uh, she was filling the role of two or three other people at her organization. And we never saw each other except for you know, sometimes on the weekends. And... I needed help. Like we 
didn't have anybody to clean. And it was overwhelming for me to take on all of those tasks of the house while doing my schoolwork. And then essentially you become roommates instead of married partners, lovers, whatever it is. And it creates strain. Maybe as you're listening to this, you have a perfect marriage. Um, you already shared notes of love, honor, and appreciation. You build up your partner at every opportunity that you have. Um, you spend at least one night a week doing something with just them. If you have kids, you have quality time together as a family unit and then you with your kids individually. And honestly, if you've got that and your business is up 50% from the year before and your fitness is absolutely perfect, you can go do a Ironman right now. You could probably turn this off. I might not be able to help you. And for that one person in America, um, I wish you the best. But more than likely, as you listen to this podcast, some of what I just talked about resonated a little bit. You know, whether it's budgeting or splitting up of the household tasks or just basic communication. It becomes a death of a thousand paper cuts. And for me, it definitely led to a distinct downward spiral. We talked about getting counseling. Obviously, my schedule at school was a little more flexible than uh, her schedule at work, so I provided through the VA, um, they had counseling services. And it took months to get to the point where she pulled the trigger and said, okay, we have an appointment. And mind you, I'd been going to counseling myself because the premise was I'm the one that's broken. And I remember like I was willing to do anything to make it work. You know, this was a person that I'd known since high school that you know loved my grandparents. And there was history. There was over a decade of history there. Even though we'd only been married for a couple years. And gone through a lot to get to that point. At the first counseling meeting and I damn it. I, I remember this because I thought it was gonna be such a beautiful Saturday. I brought breakfast in bed, dogs were on the bed, had to hang out as a family unit for a while. Um, I had to run to the auto parts store or something before 
the counseling session, so I headed out to do that. And went to the therapist's office. My ex met me there. Things seemed fine. Yeah, check in, have the dogs. XYZ, what do you want to do later today? You know, normal just conversations you'd have with your significant other. We get into the session with therapist Sherry, I remember. And my ex reads a letter about how she loves me, but she needs to spend some time apart. So that she could think about things or whatever. And then she asks to leave. She does. And I'm sitting there like a damn wrecking ball had just gone through my chest. See, I decided being somebody that had had divorce in my life between my biological parents. I dealt with it with my dad and my stepmom. I didn't want to be another statistic. I wanted to be one of the people that was able to make it work. <clears throat> Sorry. And it didn't happen. So that after the meeting, she a little bit later in the day called, wanted to see if it'd be okay for her to bring one of the dogs with her. And I don't know if she stayed in a hotel or anything, but she ended up getting an apartment. And for months, there was no additional work at all. There were no additional meetings. There was no counseling. There was no open line of communication to work on what could be. It was just, okay, I'm not here anymore. And this was for months. And it was infuriating to me because, like, you said you wanted to work on things, but you needed space. Like, why aren't we actively trying to make this work? Like, like what, are, what are we doing? So for months that goes on, and it, it got to the point where she came over one day, and I was so damn drained emotionally. I felt abandoned. I felt absolutely worthless. I felt like a piece of garbage. And we're sitting down to talk and you know she says, you know, do you, do you think there's anything left? And with the level of self-awareness I have now, I know that it was the hurt abandoned part of me that was ready to just lash out to protect myself. 
and I know that is just feeling this like the smallest, most insignificant being on God's green earth. It was absolutely terrible. And in that moment, when she asked if I still loved her, I didn't know what to say anymore because I, I was just freaking numb. I had nothing in that moment that I could give to this person that I'd promised to spend the rest of my life with. And it absolutely gutted me. You know, if you've been through a divorce or a bad breakup, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe you've been there too. But it, it was, it wasn't good. So, you know, I told her, well, I guess it's time for you to, you know, get the lawyer and do some divorce paperwork. That's a horrible place to be. What's even worse is when you don't have communications with that person for another two weeks and you don't see any of the paperwork. See, two weeks in, after that conversation, I called. I was like, hey, uh, I don't know if I've missed it, but I mean, I think there's supposed to be paperwork that could start it so we get this done. And she actually told me, like, oh, I just haven't had time to do it. Like, how much do you value the person that you said you were going to spend the rest of your life with if after making the decision, two weeks, no note, no notification, no, ah, whatever, we'll get there when we get there. Like, Jesus. And I bring that up because it makes it really damn hard to fully love somebody again when you've had everything that you cared about ripped from your soul. And that's the process I've been going through ever since, is getting to the point where I can feel again, where I can love again, where I can even use the word on a regular basis. And if you're listening to me and this has never been a part of your life before, God bless you. I'm, I'm so happy. But the good news is, if you've gone through something similar to what I'm describing, it gets better. It takes a lot of damn work. It doesn't happen through osmosis. You know, there's a period right after that that I'm not necessarily proud of. But when you hit bottom, your body has a really interesting reaction. It normally bounces back up. And if you feel yourself bouncing off of bottom, you're not alone. If you don't know anybody else in your life that's been there, I have, and I'm here for you at Coach Mike Demo on Facebook, at Coach underscore Mike underscore Demo on Instagram. 
Man, I've been there before. It's so much worse than when my business failed to have your heart ripped out from you. But it helps you get to know who you are at a much deeper level if you allow it to. And when you're able to find those pieces inside of yourself that no longer serve you, and replace them with the better habits that fully edify your life, you're able to disrupt that pattern of bouncing off the bottom and live the life that you're always destined to live. Thanks for listening. I know this is a little bit of a longer episode. I appreciate you staying with me. Thank you.